Elijah had been an, a, a faithful prophet, obedient to God and consistent in calling Israel to repentance and their own obedience to God. He spoke directly about the sins of the people and performed miracles that demonstrated the Spirit of God was with him. Now the end of Elijah's time on earth was near, and he was still following the Lord faithfully. And his protege, Elijah, was right by his side. The nation of Israel still needed a prophet, still needed someone to declare God's truth to them. God had said it would be Elisha, but how would Elisha fill Elijah's rather large shoes? Well, today's lesson takes place in 1 Kings chapter 19 and then 2 Kings chapter 2. The first point of the lesson is faithful to the call. And we're going to find this in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. The time had come for, for the Lord to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord is sending me on to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as the Lord lives, and as you lit yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? He said, Yes, I know. Be quiet. Elisha said to him, Elisha, stay here. The Lord is sending me to Jericho. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophets who were in Jericho came up to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? He said, Yes, I know. Be quiet. Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord is sending me to the Jordan. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. At the beginning of the chapter, we see where the story will end. Elijah would leave the earth in a whirlwind. That was for certain. What would happen next was not quite as exciting. The lingering question was, who would take up the mantle that Elijah would leave behind. Who would be equipped to lead the people and proclaim the word of God from this point forward? Whoever would take on the role of the prophet needed to be a worthy leader to serve God and people in this way. Elisha was already mentioned as Elijah's successor in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 14, as God's comfort to Elijah. The weary prophet felt lonely and burdened because the Israelites did not seem to be turning around to the true God, even after the events at Mount Carmel. Elisha had been following Elijah since his calling. But here at the end of Elijah's time on earth, we see Elijah and Elisha traveling from Gilgal to Bethel and Jericho possibly to say last words of encouragement to the people and the sons of the prophets there. The mention of the sons of the prophets demonstrates that Israel still had a remnant that wasn't controlled by prophets of idols. 
Instead, these prophets served God and followed Elijah and would serve as witnesses for what was to come. They knew Elijah was to be taken away and were anticipating whom God would choose next, choose to lead next. At each place they passed on their journey, Elijah told Elisha to stay. But Elisha proved his faithfulness to Elijah and to God's call by declaring he would not leave Elijah. If the story of Elisha following Elijah sounds familiar, it may be because there's an element of typology for what was to come. There are several similarities between the journey of Elijah and Elisha with the story of Jesus and his disciples. Elisha was like a disciple to Elijah. Elisha followed Elijah and served him. Elisha would see Elijah taken up to heaven. Elisha would know that he had a purpose to fulfill Elijah's mission, ultimately God's mission, to bring his people and the nations to repentance and worship. Elisha is an example of a faithful disciple to Elijah, just as we are called to be faithful disciples to Jesus. Repetition in the Bible is always something to pay very close attention to. It's commonly used as a literary device to show emphasis or to show completeness or even perfection. The remaining verses of this passage of Scripture show the previous traveling event repeated two more times, going to Jericho and the Jordan River. First, as seen in verses 2, 4, and 6, we have the same response from Elisha. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Elisha repeated this three times in total, demonstrating his commitment to remain by Elijah's side. Three times Elijah tested Elisha to see if he would follow through on the journey. And all three times Elisha remained by his side and passed. Second, as seen in verses 3 and verse 5, the sons of the prophets in two locations asked the same question. And they also received the same response from Elisha. The prophets seem to reinforce the purpose of the journey the two men are on. It's unclear what Elisha meant when he told the sons of the prophets to be quiet. It's possible he recognized this as a solemn life event, or maybe he felt the burden of taking over. Regardless, his acknowledgement of what would happen to Elijah was what was important in that moment. Elisha knew the time had come for Elijah to leave. The two of them went on, walking along side by side, mentor and disciple, faithful to God and his work as God directed them forward. This pilgrimage, this long, long journey from place to place, ended at the Jordan River. And really, that was no coincidence. At this significant spot, God would again demonstrate his power and point out his chosen one to lead and serve his, him and his people. Elisha followed Elijah on a long journey and refused to leave his side. This faithfulness to his mentor and ultimately to God revealed God chose the right man for the job. But as they journeyed, more signs would be revealed. The second point is power for the call. And we find this in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. 
Fifty men from the sons of the prophets came and stood observing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, which parted to the right and left. Then the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When Elijah and Elisha arrived at their destination, fifty men from among the sons of the prophets at nearby Jericho stood close enough to be able to observe and see what would happen next. They remained at a distance as only Elisha was privileged to walk with Elijah on these, this, these final journeys. These people, however, would act as witnesses to what was about to happen. They would corroborate the story of God's demonstration of his power once Elijah was gone and affirm who would be the next prophet. The place where Elijah and Elisha stood was of great significance. They were not in an unknown desert or at an unremarkable shore by the sea, but by the Jordan River. Any Israelite would have remembered what happened there with Joshua and their ancestors one generation removed from the exodus from Egypt. As seen in Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4, at the conclusion of their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness on account of unbelief, Joshua led the Israelites into the land that God had promised them. Moses had passed away and Joshua was now the leader, affirmed by God's calling and soon to be affirmed by God's power. Joshua listened to the Lord and commanded the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant to step into and stand in the raging waters of the Jordan. When they did this, the water was cut off, and the entire nation of Israel crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. Joshua set up a memorial for the people of Israel to remember that day, so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is strong, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. This historic demonstration of power by God built trust and confidence in those who witnessed it so that they would follow the Lord and his newly appointed leader, Joshua. Next, standing on the Jordan Riverbank, Elijah followed into the footsteps of Joshua and the memory of Moses as he took his mantle or cloak, rolled it up, and struck the river. The flowing water then parted like it did for Joshua and like the Red Sea did for Moses as God provided a way for his prophets Elijah and Elisha to cross over on dry ground. But take note that Elijah didn't just follow the footsteps of Joshua. He reversed them. Coming from Jericho to the Jordan, Elijah and Elisha passed through the water and exited the promised land. This set up the significance for the parallel event in the next few verses, when one of the two crossed back into the promised land. The men who saw this miracle knew only that the Lord God could do such a thing. Yes, Elijah struck the river and it parted, but only the Lord God Almighty has the power to control the land and the seas, since he is the creator and sustainer of the world. The Lord worked through Elijah, and that same God gives all his people the power needed to accomplish his purposes and mission. God uses and demonstrates his power to provide a way for his people, 
for Moses. The provision was not just a passing through, but a rescue from slavery, a rescue from certain death, and hope for a new life. For Joshua, the provision of passing through was receiving a promised land, a new home, security, and place to flourish. For Elijah and Elisha, the provision of passing through was evidence of God's mercy to his people that would result in a continued voice to call his people back to repentance and to give hope for tomorrow in God's presence. Similarly, God provides a way for us as sinners to pass through. Believers enter the promise of eternal life through Christ, whose death on the cross tore into the, into the, into the temple veil that separated holy God from sinful humanity. In Jesus, we find rescue from our slavery to sin and death, opportunities for repentance and grace, and our eternal home with God in heaven. Elijah again demonstrated he was a man of God by using God's power to cross the Jordan as witnesses watched from afar. But now the time had come for Elijah to be taken away and his successor to be empowered for the role of the prophet to Israel. The third point is equipped for the call. And this is 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9-14. through 14. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. So Elisha answered, Please let me inherit two shares of your spirit. Elijah replied, You have asked for something difficult. If you see me taken from you, you will have it. If not, you won't. As they continued walking and taking a ta talking, a chariot of fire with horses of fire suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went up into the heaven in the whirlwind. As, Elijah wa as Elisha watched, he kept crying out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. When he could see him no longer, he took hold of his own clothes, tore them in two, picked up the mantle that had fallen off Elijah, and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle Elijah had dropped, and he struck the water. Where is the Lord God of Elijah, he asked. He struck the water himself, and it parted to the right and the left. And Elisha crossed over. When the sons of the prophets from Jericho, who were observing him, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed down to the ground in front of him. Elijah was about to ascend into the heavens, and he allowed Elisha to make a final request. Elisha asked to inherit two shares of Elijah's spirit, two portions of the power that Elijah had through God. A firstborn son in ancient times normally received two shares, a double portion of inheritance from his father. As a firstborn son, then, you were the successor of your father. At first glance, there could be a misunderstanding that Elisha was merely seeking power. Some commentators, however, say that Elisha was humble enough to recognize that the role of the prophet was a significant responsibility 
and that he needed as much power and spirit as he could get before he stepped forward into this role. Others suggest Elisha was simply asking to be Elijah's successor. To this, Elijah responded that Elisha would receive what he asked for if he saw Elijah be taken up into heaven. In other words, God would be the one to make that decision. Finally, the moment came for Elijah to be taken up. A chariot of fire with horses of fire came, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha watched and kept calling, Elijah, my father, likely an indication of his love and adoration toward Elijah for the mentoring relationship that they had shared. It was no small task to follow a leader such as Elijah. He prayed and caused the drought upon the land. He brought a widow's son back to life. He prayed and called down the fire of the Lord to defeat the prophets of Baal. And he parted the Jordan. But Elijah was now gone. And Elisha knew what he had to do, continue the work of a prophet for the Lord. Faithful to the end of Elijah's life on earth, Elisha was now left alone with Elijah's mantle, a recent symbol of God's power that resided in Elijah. What would he do first? Hmm. Well, Elijah took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two. He had to leave behind the past to put on what was new. Then he went back to the Jordan and struck the water with the cloak, just as Elijah had done. Elijah asked, Where is the Lord, God of Elijah? This was significant in showing that Elisha desired to rely on Yahweh, the God of Elijah and the God of Israel. He also wanted to know to be assured that God's power was now resided in him. Any doubts he may have had were quickly laid to rest. After striking the water, it parted just as it did for Elijah, confirming that God was with him and for him. And Elisha crossed the Jordan on dry ground, once again entering the promised land. God answered Elijah's question in the most clear way possible. God showed Elisha that he was with him in the same way he was with Elijah and their forefathers Moses and Joshua. The God of Israel had indeed given Elisha the inheritance he needed to fulfill his call as prophet. This was also affirmed by the sons of the prophet. They saw Elijah part the waters so he and Elijah could cross over. The whirlwind must have been too, too far out of sight but they understood what they needed to when Elijah parted the waters and crossed back over alone. They stated the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They confirmed as witnesses the passing of leadership from Elijah to Elisha as the man of God. Remember that, that the power Elijah wielded was not his own, but was from God through a connection called his spirit. This spirit of power was then passed on to Elisha to continue the Lord's mission in Israel. It isn't hard to see a parallel between this spirit and the Holy Spirit. After Jesus' ascension, his disciples likely thought, where is the Lord? But they and we received more than a covering. 
we receive in ourselves the very presence of our Savior in His Spirit. He is our strength and confirmation both individually and as the church for our mission in the world to make disciples of all nations. I want to close this lesson with a voice from the church today. This is Charles Spurgeon, who lived from 1834 to 1892, and he said, Except the Lord endow us with power from on high, our labor must be in vain, and our hopes must end in disappointment. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we just ask that you would open our eyes to these words and have full understanding of this lesson. And Lord, I ask for those who are sick and hurting today that you would just be with them and comfort and guide and direct their their path and send the Holy Spirit to just um, be with them. And Lord, I ask you for anyone that listened to this lesson that you would just send the Holy Spirit this week to guide and direct them in the ways that they should share the love of Jesus with others. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be with those who are who are hurting and um, struggling today. That you would strengthen them and embolden them and give and um, comfort them. For it's in Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen.